Morning. I'll tell you what, it has been a crazy last two weeks. God has given us an opportunity that we weren't looking for. And yet, when it came to fruition, we said, you know, how can we turn this away? Um, there was a worship leader that wants to come here and help us out in doing what we're doing. And he's an incredible worship leader. So we're negotiating, and we decided to hire him this week. And he should be here in about two weeks. But I, I wanted to put his picture up so you'll be familiar when he comes. Now, for, for those that are new and don't know who this is, it's Chris who led worship. It's his new son, Chris and Bree. So uh, he is all ready to come. I mean, look at that little hand around that guitar. He is ready to play. Okay, we'll take the picture down because nobody will listen to me as long as I have that picture up. <laughs> Turn to James. We're in James chapter 3. Two weeks ago, and I got to tell you, this morning we we're talking about the addiction of the tongue. I call this the level playing field. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what household you're raised in, doesn't matter how old or young you are, this is a problem that we all have. Amen. So this is to everybody, including myself. Two weeks ago, we talked about how James talked about the tongue has the incredible power to direct things. And it really split it down in two categories. One is opportunities. And Chris preached about that last week. He preached on worship, what we say, how we say it, why we say it. It goes towards God's. And while expressions of worship are very diverse, it's a matter of the heart, and we gather to worship to an audience of one, and we do this together. The unity of the body is one of those key identifying factors, according to Christ, that will cause the world to sit up and take notice. He prayed about that in John 17. So we have opportunities like last week where we have this incredible opportunity to use our words to worship, to speak life as God speaks life into us we speak life into other people. But also it has incredible power to destroy. And we're going to get into that this morning. Now remember, James says it's time to grow up. You need to align your heart with God. You need to align your heart with Christ. You need to align your heart with the Spirit. And you know, they all three agree, so... They don't divide us. And he says, choose joy when you're in the midst of trials. Not if, but when. And he says, choose joy when you're tempted by your own desires. And if you pursue your own desires and not choose joy, you will bring death to your soul. He says, choose joy when you read, study, and practice God's word. It's here for your good to hear, understand, and practice. He says, choose joy with all people. Don't show partiality because every single person you meet was created in the image of God. Which means we walk with people and help them find Jesus. Choose joy, he says, over your tongue. It has the power to give life and it has the power to bring death. Now, I want you to think about this last week. And I want you to think about someone this past week who spoke life into you. Okay, get that memory up there. 
I know I had several people speak life into me, and, and that's a very pleasant experience, isn't it? I see some of you smiling, saying, yeah, that was a good thing. Now I want you to think about someone this past week who spoke death into you. Now don't turn to the person next to you and give them the look, okay? That's not what we're here for this morning. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer someone speaking death or do you prefer someone speaking life? Now, I need to say this. If you're a person who prefers someone speaking death into you, okay, that you really enjoyed that this week, there's a church down the street you can go to. (laughs) It's called the First Church of Condemnation. And they will assist you in your desire to speak death. They'll help you sharpen your tongue. And you can all get together and condemn everybody around you, including each other. I guess we sang about grace this morning. I'm trying to make a very gracious statement saying, if this is your desire, we'd rather you not worship with us. Because we're trying to speak life into people. And our desire... As people who follow Jesus, who is both the living and written word, is to speak life. Paul says this about God's heart in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We want people who desire to worship with their mouth God, who use their tongue as an opportunity to praise God, who use their tongues to restore one another, to build each other up, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, who use their tongues as an opportunity to build God's kingdom, who use their tongues as an opportunity to be ambassadors of Christ. I mean, that's what we're called, to a world that needs what he has. But James starts out, we're at verse 5. He says, words are powerful. Words are powerful. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts, it brags of great things. Words are powerful. Potential for great opportunity, potential for great destruction. It boasts of great things. I love this story, and I, I heard it as a kid. I've heard it as a teenager. I heard it as a young adult. Maybe you heard it, but it kind of illustrates this whole boasting thing so well. I'm going to share it with you, even though you probably heard it before. But there was this frog one day who was having conversation with two birds. See, the weather was getting colder, and he noted every year these two birds would fly south. And he said, you know, he says, I'd like to go south where it's warmer too. Can I hitch a ride? Bird said, well, that's kind of hard. You can't climb on our backs and things like this. And so they thought for a while, and the frog says, listen, he goes, what if you, I get this long branch, and each of you hold it in your claw, and I'll hang on to the branch with my mouth, and you can fly, and I'll just go with you. So they thought, why not give it a shot? Sure enough, they take off, and it's working. And they're flying over a farm, and the farmer looks up, and he sees this unusual sight. And he says loud enough for the birds and the frog to hear, what a brilliant idea. I wonder who thought this up. They had to be brilliant. And the frog said, ah. (laughs) 
Talk at the wrong time and it's going to cost you. James said what? Be slow to speak and quick to hear. We kind of reverse that, don't we? We're quick to speak and we're slow to hear. We post and we tweet something that we never can take it back. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, and this is for the young people or people that are applying for jobs. Um, I know several CEOs, I know several companies that when they hire people, they research their social media. And there are times, depending what they posted on their social media, they will not hire someone just because of what they spoke. So depending on your job, depending what you spoke with your tongue on social media, just because you typed it doesn't mean you didn't speak it. It may cost you a job. Now, the next few verses, next part of this verse, he says, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. He emphasizes the power that the tongue has to destroy. And so the illustration here is fire. It's kind of saying, you know, a match can destroy a very large forest. Many of you probably, if you're history buffs, have read about the Great Chicago Fire in 1871. It started on October 8th, and it burned till October 10th. It destroyed thousands of buildings. It killed over 300 people. It left 100,000 people homeless. And remember the date here, 1871. It cost the city in that year $400 million. This disaster promoted chaos. After the fire, people were looting and stealing. They had to bring in the military, the army. Martial law was declared for about two weeks. And all this started, according to tradition, from a cow who kicked over a lantern. (laughs) Something so small set an entire city ablaze. Now, what you probably didn't hear is that in the same day, In the same year, okay, 1871, on October 8th, there's a less-known fire, same day, same year, in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. It burned 1.2 million acres of land. It killed over 1,500 people. In fact, when you read history, it is the deadliest fire in American history. It started when a farmer was burning some shrubs. Back then, they put shrubs together. That's how they cleared the land for farming. And so, James says, a match can burn an entire forest down. A match can burn an entire house down. And we know this, don't we? I mean, those that are married, I can almost guarantee you, there are words you wish you could pull back and have never spoken. And many of those words burn in our memories. Gossips. They destroy lives. And they destroy churches. And remember this one principle. Anyone who gossips to you will gossip about you. Remember that principle because it may feel good coming in, but you will be at the end of that gossip chain at some point. 
And, and remember this as well. Gossips need an audience, okay? Social media, Facebook, if we learn to walk away, they have no audience. See, gossips are like fake news. They tell you untruths wrapped in lies to convince you what is false. But once out there, they've done their damage. doesn't matter whether it's true or not. They've done their damage. The story of a monk who was caught gossiping in his local town and his superior uh, brought him in and said, okay, you got to confess, but here's your penance. I want you to go put a feather on the doorstep of every house you spread the information so he did that. He went around town putting a feather on the doorstep. He came back. And his superior said, now I want you to go back and pick the feather up. And don't come back till you got all the feathers. And he went back. And of course, the wind had taken most of them away. And he searched and he searched and he only found a few. And finally, he came back and told his superior that it was impossible because he couldn't find them because the wind blew them away. And his superior said to him, so it is with your words. The tongue starts fires, James says. And then he moves on and he shifts the content a bit. He says, not only does the tongue start fires, he says the tongue is a fire. Look at verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I can't tell you how many people say to me, well, what is James trying to say? <laughs> He's saying, the tongue will take you out. It will take out your relationships. It will take out a church. It will take out life. It's a world of unrighteousness. It will define your entire life. He says the tongue impacts everything, your course of life, and it is unrighteous. It's an indication of your heart. And if your tongue is unrighteous, it means there's a lot of unrighteousness here in your own heart. Unrighteous words. And he talks about fire by hell. This kind of destruction, he says, is hell itself. Now, there's something that I found quite disturbing a week and a half ago. And I don't know how many have heard this, but I need to back this up and, and say, Jesus, when he spoke of hell, he created this word picture. He talked about Hinnom, Gehenna, the Valley of Hinnom. And every Israeli knew what that was. It was a place where Israel was at its lowest. They were so caught up in their idols that they would literally sacrifice their children. They would burn them to death as an act of worship to a false god. Now that sounds horrific to us, doesn't it? We're saying, how could they do that as a nation? Well, in the past two weeks, America has crossed over to an open and clear line of immorality that is similar to this. And I know people say, well, this is political. It's not political. It's sold as that. It's billed as that. That's a lie. It's moral. It's about the value and dignity of life, all of life. But this began in New York City, actually New York State. On the 46th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, 
their Senate passed what they call the Reproductive Health Care Act. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Here are the five things, and I researched this. Here are the five things they passed, and they passed this to a standing ovation in the Senate. Okay? So after I give you these five things, you tell me how this group stood up and applauded this. Number one, they're allowing abortion in the third trimester up to the due date. So which means if your due date's on Saturday, you decide to abort it on Friday, that's okay. Completely legal. Number two, botched abortion. You know what a botched abortion is? That means the baby lives. It survives. Now, law in New York City, they're allowed to terminate the life of that baby. They're supposed to abort it, so therefore, they're going to kill it. Number three, non-medical personnel are now allowed to perform abortions. You just don't have to be a doctor. And they get their classifications what non-medical personnel are. Number four, abortion doctors and providers cannot be prosecuted on any grounds. If you saw the movie Gosnell about the abortion doctor in Philly, how horrible it was and what he did, that now will no longer be prosecutable in the state of New York. And five, they made it a constitutional right in New York State, which means if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned in New York State, you can still do this. Move on to Virginia. They're trying to legalize even a more extreme form of abortion bill. I listened to the governor in an interview, and they moved it to a new level. And here's what he said, and I quote, the government needs to stay out of the reproductive rights of a woman and her doctor. And when a baby is born, in case of any deformity or defects, the baby should be made as comfortable as possible while the mother and doctor decide the fate of the child. End of quote. That's the interview. Now, here's what's disturbing. By the way, how many of you have not heard that? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of hands. Well, that's disturbing. Here's what I find more disturbing. Is the absolute quiet. There's nothing on the news outlets. I mean, I searched. I found one article in USA Today in the opinion section that said New York's abortion laws, a celebration of death. There's no evangelical leader. There's nothing. It's quiet. And while the fires of the concentration camps all over Germany were heated up, the German citizens remained quiet. And years later, history records this as one of the most horrific slaughters of life. So James says, man, the tongue is fire. Words are fire. And we put words in New York Senate that literally will destroy human life. Now, I want to speak some words of life at this point. If you're here this morning and abortion is part of your experience, I need to tell you that restoration and healing, forgiveness and wholeness is something you can experience. You don't run and hide in shame and anger. You don't hide behind the PC of our day. You need to let Christ 
bring to you what only he can bring. You need to let the, the word and the spirit over you wash you clean. We celebrated communion this morning. That's what that means. You need to let Christ heal you and make you whole. So I just want to let you know this morning, as horrific as I am towards this new abortion law in the state, I celebrate the life that Christ brings because it is stronger, more powerful than anything New York State could ever imagine. So please talk to somebody. You can talk to me. You can talk to one of our teachers. You can talk to one of our leaders. Now James moves on after he says, listen, the tongue sets fires. The tongue is a fire. And then he talks about animals. Look at verses 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so he says, listen, every species can be tamed, but no one can tame the tongue. He calls it evil. He calls it full of poison, which means it works secretly and slowly. But listen to what he's saying. You and I can't tame the tongue. Many of you that wrestle with addiction know that you cannot stop the addiction. Only God can tame the tongue. Only you walking with the body of Christ in accountability can tame the tongue. The only way we're going to tame the tongue if we do this together. Amen? That's so true for any addiction, isn't it? You try it on your own, you'll fail every time. Try it with God and his body. That is where success comes and healing and wholeness. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this in another way. Ephesians 4 verses 29 through 32. In this passage, he's talking about that we're made new in Christ and there's things we have to put off. There's things we have to put on. And he gives this long list of things. And at the very end, he says this. In verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. See, your words have impact both to your own soul. Corrupting talk, you know, destroys us. We don't realize that. When we put other people down, we put ourselves down. I mean, it's just a downward spiral. And so listen to what James said again. He says, faith without works is dead. Faith without taming the tongue is useless. But so often, here's what we do. Well, he made me so mad, it's why I cursed him out. Or they kept coming at me, and and they forced me to say what I said. And get this image that they held you down, they tied you up, they put a gun to your head and said, if you don't say this, then. And they didn't do that. I mean, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our trials, we can choose joy. And so James says, choose joy in your words, even though inside you want to choose something else. Amen? (laughs) So often we excuse ourselves. Oh, it was just a prayer request. We post on social media. Oh, I was just having fun. And they misread it. But let me read on, okay? So no, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's what that is. 
And then he says this, and here's the important part, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When your tongue is out of control, you grieve the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what the word grieve means, it means to cry. Why is this so important? The Holy Spirit is who gives you power to control your tongue. Remember, you can't do it. God's Spirit can. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, he is less effective in your life. Let me illustrate that with a car battery. If your battery's old enough, you know, acid leaks a little bit and get corrosion around the terminals. If the corrosion builds and you don't clean it off, there will be a point where that corrosion interrupts its relationship with the car and the car will not start. Too many people have corrosive tongues. And the Holy Spirit is no longer at power in their lives because they're not allowing him and they're grieving him and they're allowing corrupting words to come out of their mouth. Goes on to say, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor Clamor and slander have to do with words. Be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. People often ask after a message like this, where do I begin? You begin here. You begin with the forgiveness that Christ gives you. And that's what you focus on, and that's where you live. Example is Christ's. I want to say two things in closing. One is we have to learn to guard our words. Psalm 39.1, and I like the way the psalmist puts this. He said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. So he's talking about a difficult situation where people coming at him, people are trying to kill him. He says, listen. I'm going to guard my tongue. I'm going to guard my mouth. Do you guys know what a lightning rod is? I talk to people about this all the time that are wrestling with anger and unforgiveness and other kinds of things and, and where situations demand strong emotions. A lightning rod is a person you trust in your life that you can go to and you can say some pretty horrible things. And they'll hold you accountable, they'll let you speak, they'll let you get it out, and then they'll direct you back to Christ. I think all of us need lightning rods. I will confess that I've always had some lightning rods that I could just go to and really kind of just let it out. And those kind of smile at me and say, okay, so what are we going to do about this? You have God's way, you have your way. I said, well, can I choose my way for about 30 minutes? Then I'll confess and repent, and I'll be back in good standing with God. Yeah, amen. <laughs> but he kind of says, no, 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 you can't do that. So, you know, one of my suggestions is if you're on a hard time guarding your mouth, you might need a lightning rod. And again, this is someone that you can trust. They will never speak what you spoke, and they can just help you balance your thoughts. Secondly, you got to guard your heart. You know, as Chris spoke last week, worship's a matter of the heart. Uh, this whole tongue thing is a matter of the heart. Um, so guard your heart. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. 
O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I mean, what's in your heart will eventually find its way to your mouth. Now, don't believe that Greg Funk sang that. I mean, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's pretty clear. If corruption, the things of Satan, if death, if they fill your heart, unforgiveness, anger, if they fill your hearts, that's a fire that will destroy not only you, but people around you as you speak. If God fills your heart, then the fire of the Holy Spirit will bring life to you and you'll be a person who speaks life into other people. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close. Song that says, Your grace is enough. Amen? About time we practice this because if your grace is enough, it's enough to control our tongue through his power. I do want to say this because back there I mentioned before, and I don't know where you're at this morning, but the place to begin is the place that we celebrate it with communion. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need one. And if you want one this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we'll, we'll pair somebody with you. And we're going to make that right because that's where it all starts. So if you're here this morning and want to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want you to stand. We're going to pair someone up with you. They're going to pray with you and go through this. But if, I mean, that's where you need to start, okay? I mean, none of this will happen if you don't start there. So if you're here, just kind of stand quickly and we'll take care of this. And by the way, this is a safe place to do that. People said amen. Come on. Anyone? You might have to wave because the lights are in my eyes. Okay, let me pray for you guys. Father, this summit hits us all. We are all guilty. And I pray, Lord, that this place becomes a place that speaks life into people. A place that honors life, that honors you, a place that seeks to follow Jesus. So teach us to confess, teach us to be quiet, teach us just to, to work with each other. Because you are so gracious to us, and we know that your grace is enough. So we pray these things, Lord. May your spirit reveal what your spirit needs to reveal. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said... Amen. Let's stand as we worship.